Hi, welcome to Clitterly Speaking, the podcast. I'm Michelle Doherty. And I'm Emily Lane. We are BFFs dedicated to bringing you conversations between girlfriends over a bottle of wine. Oh, I am so excited about the wine part. Oh, me too. So pull up a chair, grab your glass, and let's get talking. Michelle, I'm um, I'm pretty amazing right now. I gotta say, like I, you know, I miss the fact that we're not recording as regularly as usual. Right. But it's because there's all kinds of great things going on, and the fact that we are recording today in a totally new environment has me of course, feeling pretty excited about our conversation to come. How are you? I am doing pretty well, yeah. I have no complaints, feeling great, uh, walking a lot. Um, both of my boys are home right now, so I am able to spend some time with them uh, while, while William is on his uh, break and, and Jacob is home until he moves off to Portland. So it's just been really, really nice having both of them around. So I've gotten some things hung, some furniture moved. <laughs> All the projects. (laughs) What's so exciting about today is we are in the home of our friend, Linda Weiner, and we want to welcome you back to the podcast. Thank you so much. I am so glad to be here tonight to be among friends having a fun conversation because it's nice to see people and have a chance to catch up. It's been a while. Mm -hmm. You know, it's almost like that one COVID year. Mm -hmm. It just kind of was like... We almost didn't even count, like, oh, yeah, mm-hmm. that was a long time ago. Yeah. And then prior to that, we 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 got a chance to have a conversation yes. over a bottle of wine in studio. Uh-huh. But, wow, was that a while ago, you know? <laughs> it certainly was. And yeah. it seems like it was yesterday. It does. But then when we count all the months and stuff, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, but it's just uh-huh. so thankful that but, you're welcoming us but here. But you two are people that... You know, it's one of those things like good friends, you know, when time passes, it doesn't change. It feels comfortable right away. Yes. Yeah, so, very yes. true. Thank you for inviting me back. Yeah. Oh, of I just have to comment that uh, Linda and I are friends on Facebook, and I have been having such garden envy of all of your flowers that you've posted <laughs> and all of your plants. And I was uh-huh. like, I just you know mm-hmm. have to commend you for uh, beautiful plants uh-huh. and, and photos it, that you posted this thank year. Thank you. Thank you so much. It's my avocation, gardening. Okay. Uh huh. Really love it. And found out that my grandmother was an avid gardener. When I knew her, she lived in an apartment and didn't garden, and she didn't speak English. So, but I heard later as I grew up that she was a fabulous avid gardener, and so oh. I must have had her gene somewhere Passed in there. To you. Yeah. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, before we get real heavy into our conversation, yes. Emily, can you talk about our wine that we're drinking? Oh, I'm so excited to talk about this wine. So this, of course, is a wine merchant find, and you know. We're back to doing the Saturday tastings, which we love so much. And this last tasting we went to was like a double table tasting. Phenomenal. It was amazing. And it was curated by Bill Neep, who's an importer here in town, uh, Pinnacle Wines. And I have to tell you, I look forward to any time I get to taste this wines because they're always going to be good. He specializes in old world French. Nice. And you know that's where my heart is. Yeah. So this particular wine, it is a Beaujolais. It is Nouveau Beaujolais. Oh, wow. Um, uh, which, you know, for me to be really excited about Nouveau <laughs> Beaujolais, it's got to it's gotta tell you something. This is a Chateau de Jardinou, and um, it's a 2020 Nouveau. Yeah. And 
I have to tell you, this is surprisingly delicious. I have not tasted it yet today, so we're going to have to get our tasting notes on, but I can tell you, I mean, it has some of those things that you expect out of the Gamay grape, right? It's got that fresh fruit forward, berries, cherries, raspberries, all of that, but then there's a little bit of that herbaceousness that, on the back that you get out of an aged uh, Beaujolais, you know? So, it's more complex than a lot of the nouveaux. So I don't want to um, put you on the spot because I know that you are not like a, a certified sommelier. Mm. But what would you think would make this different than the Beaujolais nouveaux that we've had before? Like, what what do you think is like, so striking? Any guess? Well, I I honestly don't know. Okay. <laughs> I don't know if it's the the earth, if it's it like been the, this the, particular maker. Like, right. I mean, we are getting nuance here. Beaujolais Nouveau, it's rushed to market, right? So it right. doesn't have a lot of time to hang out and and marinate with everything and get some flavor going on. It this one to me actually tastes like it's it's had some time to develop. It's got a more complicated profile than a typical. And I think that's the attributes of good grapes, good soil, good winemaker, all of it. Could have been the climate, could have been mm-hmm. more more heat or more cool, who knows, with the climate change. But who knows? I, I agree with you. It is a it is a tasty, tasty wine. Absolutely. There's a little bit of that tartness and acidity in it, you know. Um I said that that to me says this is gonna be great with some food and mm-hmm. um yeah, I'm loving it. What do what do you ladies think? I think it's good. I don't usually drink Beaujolais, so yeah. I'm not a, you know a necessarily an avid drinker of it. But it is a very tasty and goes down very nicely. Mm-hmm. And has a bit of a berry. Does it have a Definitely. bit of a berry in it? I totally agree with I that. I can taste something in that otter, and it's got a I don't know in terms of it's it's inky. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's got a beautiful it's, color. Uh huh. It's Very a garnet beautiful garnet. Color. Yes, a garnet color, and uh, it's full bodied, which I like a lot. Mm-hmm. I find it very easy to drink, so I would tell anybody to have two bottles. Because <laughs> it will go down. Uh-huh. It will go down very, very easy. Uh-huh. <laughs> but uh, yeah, like to me, it had almost like slight slight bit of pepper like it, it mm-hmm, i it, can get that white pepper yeah like yeah you know mm-hmm. if had it aged a few more years you know i probably would have gotten more like a little stronger but i you know i love it yeah but if if this wine were a panty let's just say that it would be um a a breathable easy on easy off oh. um pair of panties that uh, <laughs> fits you like a glove i think it's a shameless pair of panties <laughs> it, it, it actually it actually doesn't really want to be panties it's being forced to be panties it wants to be something else <laughs> that's an inside joke but you guys will hear it understand it in a little bit so yes. but anyway um yeah i'm excited about drinking this wine and having this conversation today with yes. you guys. so i was thinking what kind of panties would i call it and i would call it a full-bodied Full-butted. 
Ooh la la. Big butted. <laughs> Stuff in the rear. Kind of, kind of panties that go with this it. wine. You feel better with your full coverage mm. uh, when you're drinking this wine <laughs> because it makes more fun trying to get out of them, mm. you know, after you've had your bottle and a half uh-huh. or yes. two. <laughs> but anyway, so we reached out to Linda because we wanted to have a conversation about shame. And I know this doesn't sound like a very exciting topic. I, so don't turn, you know, don't stop us now and go on to a different podcast yet. But, you know, all of us struggle somehow with some kind of shame, or maybe we did something in the past that we have never quite forgiven ourselves for. Carry it forever. And you carry it, and you're carrying it, and uh, you don't think you're worthy of something because you you are kind of crippled by this this shame that you've been carrying around. And so I I wanted to have that conversation about how it does debilitate you, and you may not understand or know that that's what it's causing it and um, like all the different kind of levels and aspects where shame can permeate your life and then how you can release it release it get (laughs) in healthy ways heal from it right (laughs) so we reached out to linda and she was like i am happy to jump on board and talk about this with you guys linda would you kind of just give a high overview when um when somebody says, you know, I'm carrying a lot of shame, you know, what, what would that really mean? So that tends to mean that they have difficulty liking themselves, loving themselves, and then making good choices for themselves and picking good partners for themselves because they don't feel worthy. Mm-hmm. So I think shame is a really toxic emotion uh, that unfortunately a lot of us carry. Where yeah. does it start? I think uh, a lot of it starts, uh, can start in the family home. Most of us were raised with parents that um, kind of scan the environment to catch us and correct us, you know, like elbows off the table. Mm -hmm. So um, uh, we had that. And some of us had more toxic parents who had grown up with parents that they themselves had uh, tried to rear their children using shame as a technique. Uh, of child rearing, and that's passed down from generation to generation. But, you know, then you go to school, and, uh, you know, you're too tall, or you're too short, or you weigh too much, or you're too skinny, or you're you too stutter. Weird. Or, yeah. Too uh-huh. smart. Yeah. On uh-huh. on. That's right. So, uh, you know, and I think that comes from not feeling good enough about yourself, that, you know, you shame others, if you've been mm-hmm. shamed in particular. So, that adds another layer uh, to shame. So uh, we have a society that um, uh, does, a, you know, does a lot of shaming. Uh, there's a lot of religious and cultural and familial uh, representations of it that I think it takes people a long time in their uh, adulthood to try to deal with that and, and rid themselves of that. And it's very, it's very, very deep. You know, I had asked the two of you if it was okay to talk a little bit personally, and since I'm uh, predominantly a sex therapist, I thought uh, of sexual shame and body shaming in terms of the specific area of shaming. And I said, would it be okay to talk about uh, our experiences in this regard? And um, I'll lead. And I was thinking about this, and so I remember... I was probably about three, and in my neighborhood, everyone sat outside in the summer and talked, all the neighbors did, and my mom said, uh, Linda, go upstairs and get undressed. And I got a, went upstairs, and I got a, undressed, and I came back down. 
Mm-hmm. She wasn't specific. I took her quite <laughs> literally. <laughs> and the reaction of the people that were gathered was rather shaming. Okay. Yeah. And, you Come know. Put your clothes on. Yeah. Like, yeah. <gasps> you naughty girl. You know. Yeah. Uh, you're, it's, so, it's so bad of you to be naked. You know, mm-hmm. uh, and so in my own life, I've had to work through that uh, yeah. a little bit. How long did that take you to work through? Oh, uh, you know, it's still a process sometimes. Yeah. You know, if uh, I'm sure after Thanksgiving, I'll have to go through it all over again. <laughs> <laughs> so, how about you? You too. Uh, yeah. what, what do you remember about an example of shaming? It could be about body. It could be mm-hmm. about sex. It could be about anything. Anything that comes to mind about shaming? You know, I remember, I remember moments of being ashamed. Mm-hmm. You know, and so that's not necessarily somebody actively shaming me. It'd be me shaming myself, uh-huh. right? With, and so I, I have a few things that really stand out. You know, I remember when that really started for me was junior high. Mm-hmm. And just that's when your bodies are changing and, and you're just, you're, you're awkward already. And I mm-hmm. remember that that was when you have to start taking showers after, in PE. Mm-hmm. And, and I remember the PE teacher she would be waiting at the end of that shower with handing out towels and she would check you off her list when you when you came through the shower and she would make you turn around to make sure you were wet enough that you had properly showered. Oh my. I feel today that would be highly inappropriate. Yes. I feel like it was inappropriate. Mm-hmm. I felt like there you was felt something ashamed. lecherous there. Yeah. I felt ashamed. Yeah. To be, I felt embarrassed about yeah. my body. And, you know, she would be somebody that would be tracking your periods if you were you know, trying to get out of taking a shower mm-hmm. because you would say you were on your period. She would call you out in front of the class and say, you should be off your period by now. Mm-hmm. And so those kinds of things did not set a very, very intrusive. good, yeah. yeah, a very good foundation for feeling good about uh-huh. your body, feeling good about, you know, all these new things that are happening, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. And so that was very foundational, I felt to me. And then, you know, I have a, like, later in, like, high school and stuff, just little instances, like, you know, walking down the hallway and the one boy pulls up. I was, like, wearing, it was 90s, so I was wearing a really tight tube skirt (laughs) with a big sweater on top, you know? (laughs) Yes. And um, the guy, you know, a guy came up and pulled it up, and so, because it was tight, it, it, when he pulled it up, mm-hmm. it hung around my waist. So mm-hmm. my entire oh my bottom half, was, I was walking out the highway, mm-hmm. hallway that way. And I was just absolutely mortified mm-hmm. by that, yeah. you know. <laughs> and th- those are moments to me where I felt very exposed, uh-huh. very vulnerable, mm-hmm. and cried mm-hmm. <laughs> for hours, you know. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. 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 yeah, those are... <sighs> I'm sorry. Formative. <laughs> Formative. Yeah, you know? I'm, yeah. I'm just really sorry that the, that, that teacher did that. Oh, and I, yeah. I guess back then you wouldn't have said anything to your parents and about it. I or, did. And nothing. And they don't, that, I mean, that was just the way it was. Yeah, things were, yeah, that yeah. would not happen now. You right. know that. That person would be mm-hmm. um, fired, uh, mm-hmm. all kinds mm-hmm. of stuff, discipline and things like that. We hope. We hope. We yeah. hope. That's for sure. Um, I my situ my situations are a little different. Um, I can recall many instances when I was uh, growing up 
especially after puberty hits where, you know, you're already confused about what's going on in your body. And um, I remember one time at the dinner table, uh, my mother lifted my arm. We're having dinner. Everybody's around. I lifted my arm to see if I had started growing Oh, my God. And I was mortified. I think I was a fourth grader. Mortified. I just wanted to fall underneath the table. I I cried. And then I was told that I needed to get over it, you know. Um, Another time, again, uh, I was coming out of a a sewing class, and I had just very, very happy, and I had on my uniform shirt because I had gone to Catholic school, and I just had my uniform shirt, my shorts, and I wasn't wearing a bra yet, and my um, father was just laughing, his laughing, laughing, laughing in the car. And I got in the car and I said, what, why are you laughing, Dad? He goes, well, when you walk, your little boobs just bounce up and down and up and down. Oh, my Again, God. Again, tears, mm-hmm. right? So these kind of comments just made me very self-conscious mm-hmm. about mm-hmm. my changing yes. body. Yes, um, Which then that led into, like, other things about my life. Like, I I'd always felt like the body was was not I which worked really really hard to try to control it but mm-hmm. I couldn't control it right mm-hmm. um I, you know you can't control how your boobs your genetics bounce are when you your walk, genetics right, right. Yeah. you know you, you can't uh-huh. control it if, especially if you're you know fifth grade I come from a long line <laughs> of boob wobblers or whatever I, I did yeah. yeah. then like be proud you and, know? I, and I and uh-huh. I love my family but these are just my examples uh-huh. that are coming to mind yes. um, kind of a lack of sensitivity over mm-hmm. those of, of these things that you're already going to be self conscious about ultra sensitive or, yeah. or you know made me conscious about it mm-hmm. right right you were happy you know, before take some innocence away mm-hmm. there but then i got older and you know i love my i love my grandmother she's passed but she could be she could be very very pointed in things that she'd say and i remember one time she said to me she's like michelle you'd be such a pretty girl if you would just lose some weight mm-hmm. oh my god mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. so it was always like i think for shame and sometimes mm-hmm. it's like there's not good enough. Not good enough. Not worthy. Not worthy. So it's one Disappointing. battle for our own selves to feel good about ourselves. Mm-hmm. But then when it's being reinforced by external mm-hmm. forces, yes, yes. you know. Including like what's going on right now with the studies of Instagram. Mm-hmm. How that's impacting particularly young girls to feel negatively about themselves. Uh, to not, you know, not that. It's Instagram alone. It's the whole culture. Yeah. I mean, before that, there were teen magazines right. and so on that uh, also showed anorexic young models. and The fashion world in general. Right. Like, it's yes. finally a fashion world starting to evolve to be more inclusive in body mm-hmm. size and, yes. and so forth. But yes. for a long time, yes. it has created mm-hmm. a false ideal about what is beautiful. Correct. Yes. So the the whole shaming and not being good enough and not being worthy and imperfect bodies mm-hmm. and... Uh, and as you also, you know, mentioned, not being perfect as a person. You know, there are some parents. Oh, you got a, you got a, a got B a, <laughs> instead of an A. You know, what what's mm-hmm. wrong that you couldn't get an A? Can't you try a little harder? So, yeah. you know, the, a lot of us got those sorts of messages. Yes. Uh, I have a funny memory that that's popped up. My mother had a friend who had two daughters that were so pleasant to all of the ladies who gathered to play cards, you know, the ladies group. And my mother said, why can't you be like Ethel Pfeffer's daughters? First of all, she has a funny name. (laughs) Ethel Pfeffer. (laughs) Why can't you be like Ethel Pfeffer's daughters? Because I was a bit of a standoffish, you know, young teen, uh, moody and so on. So, uh, you know, they're not good enough. You're not performing well enough uh, idea. However, that's communicated adds to our 
adds to our shame about who we are and being not good enough. And I, I kind of feel that when you are carrying those, those ideas about yourself, then that impacts who you might choose to be a partner. Like you, you, Mm -hmm. you don't think you're actually worthy of somebody. So you, Mm -hmm. you might settle for the person who is mm-hmm. interested isn't that the mm-hmm. truth yes yeah. Uh, yeah that happens as a relationship and sex therapist i see that quite a bit you know that uh that message uh you know also uh, uh the message you're not good enough you're not worthy anyone that would choose me must not be mm, yes. a person of taste <laughs> clearly so you know i'll pick someone i'm worthy of or i'll be picked that's so that's so right i'll let someone pick me Right. And not be uh, discerning about it. Absolutely. Yeah. So I'm not worth it. The same is true in career and jobs, you know, asking mm-hmm. for a raise or... Uh, or saying no to taking mm-hmm. on uh, a co-worker's work, job duties for no extra pay because mm-hmm. a co-worker is going on leave mm-hmm. or something, you know. Mm-hmm. They just assume that, not necessarily that they would assume that, but you don't necessarily ask for more mm-hmm. compensation. Yes. Because just have to do this you know? I do find that the younger generation seems to be the younger generation that's in the workforce now you know I, I feel like as a whole at least the group that mm-hmm. I've been working with are more I don't know they they feel more entitled yes, to I would say to uh-huh. you know higher income work-life mm-hmm. balance not mm-hmm. working late hours even though that may or may not be appropriate mm-hmm. you know what I mean like yeah. they are more mm-hmm. accustomed to asking for what yes. they want and feeling like they're deserving of it uh-huh. as opposed to our generation which felt like well we, we get what mm-hmm. we deserve yes right and I think that's I think mm-hmm. that phrase right there is key to the conversation. You, we get what we deserve, or we yes. think we get what we deserve. Mm-hmm. You know, and if we're carrying a shame or we've done something bad, you know, in our you know that we think was horrible, and I can't believe you know that that happened, or I, you know I did that to, you know, whatever situation, um, and then you sort of carry it with you, and then you think, oh, I, that's right, I deserve this, I deserve mm-hmm. whatever bad thing is coming to happen mm-hmm. to me. I do agree with you about the the younger generation, um, and I think that's why we are seeing the shift in even the you know mm-hmm. in the fashion world because mm-hmm. there there's so much body positivity um, in the younger generation that I wish we could have had twenty five percent of it or ten sure. percent of what they are putting mm-hmm. out now because how much richer could could my could yeah. my life have been yeah. or, you know, my friends or, mm-hmm. you know, things like that. But so. think of it. We were raised in a way that, you know, parents did not praise us as often as they uh, criticized us, thinking that was going to improve us. And right. as a result, the next generation, we maybe overdid it, some people say, you know, uh, uh, overpraising true. and yeah. giving them an award for showing up, so to speak. Right. Uh, but I do think that the younger generation is a is a good one. And, you know, I hate to see them trashed, but that is a difference mm-hmm. in the way we were raised. And I think it's re- in a reaction to feeling uh, criticized and unworthy. Mm-hmm. I did a, my own little uh uh, experiment or survey among among my girlfriends and when I got into my 20s and early 30s mm-hmm. and I would especially the ones I thought had like super confident and mm-hmm. high self-esteem and when I would talk about how 
how was it growing up? And when most of them would say, oh, my, my mom always called me a princess or mm-hmm. I had unconditional support at home mm-hmm. or I could do anything. My parents were like, just to go out and do anything. And then those of us that did not have that kind of reinforcement, I was always mm-hmm. told nobody likes a braggart. Nobody mm-hmm. wants to know about your accomplishments, Michelle, mm-hmm. because other people, <laughs> other, you know, you're going to make other people feel bad mm-hmm. because of your accomplishments. So you mm-hmm. need to keep quiet about mm-hmm. that. So I was like, okay, I don't want, I don't want to be the mom that makes my kids feel bad about mm-hmm. themselves. Mm-hmm. So I have, I have called them all, <laughs> yes. you know, guilty as charged. I, yes, I have, I have, uh-huh. you know, tried to tout their accolades on the on the daily because mm-hmm. I just didn't want them to struggle from low self esteem. And I can't say that they're it's per- been perfect because they mm-hmm. they still they're human beings mm-hmm. and they have mm-hmm. bouts of uh, lack of confidence. But you know mm-hmm. they know. Hopefully they know that they're um, that they really mm-hmm. are worthy mm-hmm. of the yes. life that they're that they're going after. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you you make a good point. You know, I, I say if it's eighty twenty, we're good. Eighty percent, I love and accept myself, and twenty percent, ah, I could, you know, I could work on this. Mm-hmm. I could stand to improve, and um, I I feel guilty rather than shame, you know, which is a different emotion. Guilty helps you stay within your boundaries or learn your from your mistakes shame is a toxic thing you take with you that you're constantly trying to work through and mm-hmm. uh and resolve so uh 80 20 nobody loves themselves in every way and uh, nor should they so what are some exercises or ideas to help people kind of uh, work through their shame so, uh, you know, that is a good question, and there is no shortcut because yeah. every time we have a thought or an emotion or that something happens, uh, the, the electrons move across our brain and create crevices, if you mm. would. And so our automatic thinking that happens uh, goes down the bowling alley of the brain, I say, okay, okay? <laughs> if you would. Yeah. And so that's that negative thinking about yourself. I should have done better. Uh, I shouldn't have stepped forward and, and touted my, you know, my success in this or that. And so recognizing that it's a process of catching yourself, running yourself down and kind of going, eek. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then what do I b- really believe now? What's my realistic belief about myself now? Yes, uh, I make mistakes. Uh, that's why they put erasers on pencils. Mm-hmm. I don't have to feel shame about it. I have just had that a similar type of mm-hmm. um, awareness mm-hmm. to my own life uh, in the last uh, six months, eight months, and I was brought up by my son William. Uh, I could be at the at the sink, or I would drop something. And I'm like, oh, Michelle, mm-hmm. and I would I'd like really be nasty to, mm-hmm. to myself yeah. for something, you know. Mm-hmm. Minor, Minor, trivial, like spilt milk at the table when you were a kid. Exactly. Probably. Oh, Michelle, uh-huh. why did you? And my son was like, "Mom, do you hear yourself?" Mm-hmm. And I was like, "Oh, you're right." And so when I I now catch myself and I I stop it. Yeah. As soon as that that bowling alley brain starts yes. working and it kicks in, uh-huh. I go, "Okay, Michelle, okay. you just dropped it. It's mm-hmm. not. It's not. I don't need yeah. to." berate myself yes. for dropping something mm-hmm. or forgetting it or not being able to mm-hmm. find my glasses all day you uh-huh. know I, mean, I just yes. have to let those those things go but I think that conditioning mm-hmm. right yes those- and over time the new thoughts about yourself groove into the brain almost as deep almost as deep a little deeper <gasps> finally deep enough 
that Isn't they that can amazing? counter. Mm-hmm. We can we can reformat our brain. Yes, it does take time and it does take energy, and mm-hmm. we have to surround ourselves with people who are going to reinforce that change. Yeah. That's you know sort of going back to what you were saying earlier about selecting people that reinforce that negative belief about yourself versus mm-hmm. people who affirm you. Right. And like your son says, you know, come on now, you know, listen yeah. to yourself uh, versus uh, other people who go, you know, that's right. And on top of that. Exactly. <laughs> Let me tell you another reason why. Right. Let me tell you you're another no good. reason why you're no good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's right. It makes me think a little bit of, you know, that Saturday Night Live skit with Stuart Smiley. Like, oh, yes. I, I like, like myself. myself. You know? Uh-huh. <laughs> like, that's right. Affirmations. That's, right? It uh-huh. kind of makes me think, well, yeah. maybe there's some value they, to that because eventually your brain's going to believe it. Exactly. Exactly. So, yes, I love Stuart. But <laughs> making fun of affirmations but that is the way uh, one way uh, there are probably other ways there are uh, sort of probably micro dosing with uh, chemicals uh, hallucinogenics or uh, I've heard that uh, mushrooms are extremely good for this okay. becoming, yes. I've heard that they're actually becoming used in a lot of psychological practices mm-hmm. to yes. help people process uh, PTSD yes mm-hmm Yes. And with PTSD comes, uh, you know, I'm not safe and I wasn't good enough Mm -hmm. as well. So Mm -hmm. there's an element Mm -hmm. of, you know, survivor shame Mm -hmm. uh, is another piece of it, talking about shame and things I I didn't do that I should have, could have, would have done to save my buddy or so on. So, yes, but the idea of... Uh, trying to find new ways. There are there are also other ways that are through the body, like rolfing is another what is technique. It? Rolfing. Sounds it's a like technique. Rolfing that is not, is not, right? is not, uh-huh. not, not binging in Persian. You're not talking <laughs> no. about rolfing. Not rolfing, no, no. It's no. So, uh, a type of uh, working with body energy. It, not a massage, but a working at knots where there's stored energy in the body. Hmm. Okay. Uh, so nonverbal ways... Uh, as well uh, as affirmations, as well as surrounding yourself by positive people, as well as catching yourself, running yourself down and correcting uh, your false thinking about yourself. And uh, over time, uh, things do improve. Uh, And it's sort of like a, um, you know, there's a tree that grows a very large root system for Mm -hmm. several years. And the top growth doesn't look like much is happening. And then suddenly, when the root system is big enough, it shoots up uh, many, many feet into a big tree. But uh, getting that root system re-rooted is sort of what Mm. you know what it's about. Great analogy. uh, As Freud said, and I, I, this is one of the things he said I love. uh, He said, uh, "Adulthood is getting over all the things that were done to you inadvertently or on purpose in childhood." Oh, yeah. Isn't that? Yeah, you know, the case. So we all carry some shame and some burdens. And, you know, this is probably a good practice for for people to be thinking about. How can I Mm -hmm. apply some of these things and start to work on those parts of myself uh, that I'll change what I can and I'm going to accept and love the things Mm -hmm. about me that I can't change uh, and that make me the unique person that I am. There's so many layers to this because there's the physical self and then there's the like emotional, spiritual mm-hmm. self. And so I think that there's attachments to each one of those things mm-hmm. that need to be addressed depending on what kind of shame mm-hmm. you're dealing with. Exactly. That's right. Because many people grow up with uh, 
shame that's uh, engendered by, you know, maybe an interpretation of their religion by a particular religious figure that uh, isn't mindful of humanity and sexuality, for example. So there's sexual and spiritual shame, uh, healing. What were some of the others that you mentioned, Emily? Well, I was just, what I was just thinking about when I was uh, with that, you know, physical versus spiritual versus, Mm -hmm. you know, um, with the physical and talking about the type of massage therapy that you were, that you were Mm -hmm. mentioning earlier, I was thinking about how that, you know, your body does hold, it just holds so much, you know, and people Mm -hmm. have, when they have negative feelings, how it can manifest an mm-hmm. illness mm-hmm. and so like as a first layer dealing with that you mm-hmm. know massaging those negative you know the tensions mm-hmm. out and giving mm-hmm. your body love like mm-hmm. s- that yes. self-love yes. side of things I feel like is such a good first step of okay mm-hmm. I'm loving my body my body mm-hmm. deserves love mm-hmm. and then and then there's this inside of understanding that Hey, I am a good person. I mm-hmm. I work hard. I care about people mm-hmm. and that person needs to be honored too. I need, mm-hmm. you know, I guess I'm just curious about various tactics that we can do to, you know, look in the mirror and go, "Okay, Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's not so bad <laughs> so, <laughs> or 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 likewise like listening to yourself and appreciating who you are in your heart mm-hmm. you know I feel like mm-hmm. yes. there's a lot of layers to explore my thoughts that are coming to mind right now are so many times we're looking for somebody else to tell us that we're okay mm-hmm. and that that whatever happened mm-hmm. is it's not your fault. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, looking for somebody else to forgive us for whatever uh-huh. shortcomings we mm-hmm. have. And, you know, sometimes that's that external person's mm-hmm. not there. Mm-hmm. And for me, it's been most powerful when I've forgiven myself. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a I had a situation that happened to me when I was a freshman in college and involved a, a, a fraternity guy. And anyway, it was, you know, it was a bad night. And the my sorority sisters just shamed me up and down for like a year, mm-hmm. and um, even even like uh, two years later, they're still like coming at me and like because it was all obviously it was all my fault. The situation was all my fault, but it wasn't. I'm, I was being a little sarcastic there, mm-hmm. but it took mm-hmm. a long, long time for me to to say, say no they're wrong that's say, not the way it is exactly yeah. that's mm-hmm. not what happened and and mm-hmm. i'm a good person yes you know uh-huh. but it took it i mean it took decades mm-hmm. and so sorry mm-hmm. that that happened well to you. yeah yes. i mean and i'm, I'm sorry too mm-hmm. and i'm sorry that you know that the that the however society was designed mm-hmm. at that point in time um and i was going to school in the south so it was way more um conservative mm-hmm and strict than um, other places in the in the U.S., but it was it was very it was something I carried very deep mm-hmm. and down. And I think mm-hmm. as I as I shed it and forgave myself mm-hmm. and gave myself grace, I would look and I thought it really impacted my choices mm-hmm. in relationships. Mm-hmm. It was another you know so add all that you? to everything <laughs> else in my life. It was just it impacted. What gave you the strength to? counter uh what was being said about you 
well, it, the, what was being said about me was 20 years ago, mm-hmm. but I still carried what was right. said about me as if it was yesterday. Yes. Okay. You so know? you were able to let it be old, old and wrong and old, old and wrong and <laughs> right. misinformed. Uh-huh. Yes. And it doesn't, it mm-hmm. does not define who mm-hmm. I am. That bowling yes. alley was shut down. Yeah. Right. Uh-huh. Right. Yeah. And I felt so much lighter mm-hmm. and I thought, wow, I have carried yes. this for 20 years mm-hmm. and I don't recall the, the reason I started to think about it or, mm-hmm. or why I let it go. But I do remember mm-hmm. letting it go. And I remember being angry about mm-hmm. angry So maybe about it was too. developing enough of a sense of of yourself and a sense of competency and a security in yourself mm-hmm. uh, and that old part of yourself that was a little bold and a little rebellious. So part of your personality was to answer questions and be too smart and have the answers and even though people told you not to. So part of it was your personality. Yeah. Part of it was maturity, perhaps. Yeah. Uh, but that's great. The good news is you're giving an example of being able to move away from it. Right. And to I move to another place. And I never, I don't, I didn't feel like I had to go mm-hmm. back to those sorority sisters uh-huh. and, and state yes. my case yes. and, and, and prove yes. them wrong and have yes. the jury come out a different yes. way. Yes. I felt like I, it, mm-hmm. it's, it's over, it's done. Mm-hmm. I'm no longer going to carry this mm-hmm. because it was inaccurate. X, Y, Z. And so I guess what I wanted, I brought it up because I want our listeners to to know that they can find mm-hmm. that for themselves too. Yes. They don't have mm-hmm. to go back to whoever wronged them, wronged them, mm-hmm. or who the you know to gain yeah. an apology or to you know or to you know you know go back and and have that person see you differently. Yeah, no, yeah. they see you how they see you, and <laughs> exactly. it's how you see you. I, what I like to say to people is, it only matters what the people that matter to you think of you. It doesn't matter what the rest of people think of you. Well, and that's a huge mm-hmm. that's a huge step for so many people mm-hmm. because just to get there, right. let alone it only matters what I think of me, right. which is really the, the the step you took, which is the the one that we all hope to be able to get to yeah. with the things that we're ashamed of. You know, one of the things that happens so often for a lot of women, I'm sure men and people of all kinds, but you know the um prior to me too movement if someone was put in a precarious situation at work it was your fault mm-hmm. you know i mm-hmm. oh my god i or can't it was tell just you. something to be expected and accepted right something that happens why are you then, making a big deal about right this? Mm-hmm. it happens to everybody mm-hmm. well that's the just num- the way he is yes. the mm-hmm. number of times i almost lost my job because i was actually put in danger by mm-hmm. somebody who was acting inappropriately to me you know it was it was my fault you know because Mm -hmm. I was too attractive I don't think I'm that attractive but like (laughs) you know it was my fault Mm -hmm. I I somehow looked too sexy Mm -hmm. I somehow was too too nice I was somehow Mm -hmm. too whatever Mm -hmm. and you know we've talked on previous episodes about my drugging incident that I had had happen to me in Seattle and that was something that my husband and the company that I worked for blamed on blamed me for. And you know, I was just a truly innocent bystander. And mm-hmm. so that's an, an example of so often, you know, we're forced, you know, they're trying to shame us for things that are completely mm-hmm. out of their control and in a in a in a system that is not supporting of 
um, right. you know, taking care of, of its children of, and its right. women folk. Right. And it's young men. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, the, the message that they wanted, they wanted you to be embarrassed about what happened to you and, right. uh, and ashamed of it because, and I don't know them. Because I think that they don't—they didn't know how to else to respond. They yeah. didn't know how to support you. They didn't know how they, to. Well, they couldn't prevent it from happening. So and, right. and they felt helpless. Uh-huh, that's right. So it was mm-hmm. your fault. That, that's Shame on you that for letting happens. that happen. Yeah, sadly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Or yeah. used to happen. And yeah. what you needed was arms thrown around you, exactly. and weeping with you. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. not right. That's terrible. Mm-hmm. We're here for you. Yes. Right. Hopefully, we're raising yeah. our young people to be there for each other in that way, to be emotionally supportive of people. And I think what we're referring to in code is sexual behavior that others have judged us for. Yes. Uh, uh, Sexual harassment or sexual abuse or rape. uh, You know, and I'm thinking about my own experience in this. It's very weird, you know, that I was taken advantage of as a 14-year-old by an older gentlemen and at first there was a little sympathy you know that I was uh taken advantage of and then it was uh the the tales of other young men about yeah you know well I had to go at her too you know oh she's my God. and my friend saying to me well you have a kind of a bad reputation now Linda so mm-hmm. even though I know it was not your fault um I really can't hang out with you anymore my boyfriend oh says. Oh, my god! So it's interesting that we all three have had mm-hmm. something, I think, related to uh, sexual improprieties fostered on us. Absolutely. For which we were made to feel or encouraged to feel, how should we say, shame and mm-hmm. guilt around. And I don't know. I, I never felt that, uh, that it was my fault. Uh, you know, I did go through the, you know, what else could I have done? You know, could I have done something differently and all of that? But in the end, it was more about the betrayal of those that said that they were my friends and right. family. Oh, right. That really? was the really Being hurtful abandoned. thing. Yes, that was the really hurtful thing about it. Mm-hmm. You're, you're hit, you hit it right mm-hmm. there. I, I think all those 20 years that I carried it, mm-hmm. I, the, the anger and the hurt was really more about the sorority mm-hmm. sisters mm-hmm. completely abandoning yes. me and yes. and choosing mm-hmm. to believe believe the worst about you believe the worst about me and believe it, it, whatever this fraternity person mm-hmm. this fraternity guy was way more important than mm-hmm. I was yes and mm-hmm. I felt um, disposable <laughs> exactly group mind right I did uh-huh. I did not feel like yes. I had any value yes uh-huh. and and because. It, it was just mm-hmm. you're right that's what mm-hmm. that's what hurt more mm-hmm. the the sex acts mm-hmm. okay you know but was it more shame or was it more anger that you felt um i think or it, both i think it's a combination of both mm-hmm. especially because they they never they didn't let it go mm-hmm. they would find opportunities in a public sit, sit setting mm-hmm. to to bring it up and mm-hmm. so there would be embarrassment and humili- they would try to humiliate Terrible. and embarrass me that way Oh my goodness! So, it, so and that you it, called them sisters. I was just well, thinking the same thing. Well, wow. you know, I did. I was. Uh-huh. I was not unhappy when the the main perpetrators graduated and moved on. Mm-hmm. I felt like okay, finally mm-hmm. that chapter of mm-hmm. my life can be closed. Mm-hmm. 
And then I went and studied abroad for a year so I could also go. be gone from mm-hmm. the situation. And I just kind of never yes. went back. Yes, same with me. I, I left that town uh, that I grew up in and went to college and never came back because mm-hmm. it had such such bad memories for me there. Yeah. And uh, I started over and over again until sort of like in your yeah. uh, experience, you made sense of it mm-hmm. yeah. and then could move away from it. Yes, mm-hmm. I understand their fear was if they were uh, friends of mine and didn't and condoned, you know, uh, quote unquote, what happened, that they would be seeing themselves as potential victims. And so it had to be your fault mm-hmm. and and so on. So we understand the psychology of it, but healing the wounds and feeling good about yourself, again, is the purpose that we're here to talk right, about. Right, and yeah. so... We're talking about the fact that, yes, um, we knew how we felt and that how others were seeing us wasn't the way the experience was. And that was sad, but we never, uh, we may have lost track of uh, of uh, uh, sort of responsibility in it and felt guilty or felt uh, humiliated about it, but we worked our way through it. We began to see it for what it was, small people, uh, or unreliable people, or you know, people who have damage. We all have damage. So, yeah. recognizing, recognizing that other people that, have yeah. other other people have damage too. Are there yeah. times when shame can serve you well? I don't think so. I think uh, that I'd rather have people feel guilty about something they did okay. than feel shame about it. Uh huh. So this brings uh, a thought to mind. My ex mother in law battled her weight and she, her whole life and she uh she's passed now mm-hmm. but i remember watching one night uh i saw her in the kitchen mm-hmm. and she kind of was like hiding and, and eating, she was eating something and eating mm-hmm. something because she did she knew mm-hmm. if family saw her eat it mm-hmm. that they would say something mm-hmm. and that to me was a she was Shame. feeling shameful mm-hmm. right when you talk about the the picture aimed at your refrigerator, <laughs> you're trying just to avoid feeling guilty, right? <laughs> for, for going into their fridge. Uh-huh. But there, I mean, there, there's such a, I don't want to say it was a fine line, but the degree of the pain associated with the act, mm-hmm. would could that lead to the guilt or to the shame? Mm-hmm. Well, I think it's how they internalize it, you know? Okay. Uh, I don't know. What do you think? Oh my gosh! <laughs> I think what you're makes right. the difference between whether they go guilt or they go shame? I think you're absolutely right. Or um, we go guilt or shame. Yeah. I mean, I I think guilt is it's it's something that's questioning your action, mm-hmm. which may or may not be ju- a just mm-hmm. feeling, but you're thinking about it, and I mm-hmm. think that there's health. That's a healthy. Yes thing to be thinking about you mm-hmm. know should i have cut that person off on the road mm-hmm. <laughs> whatever it is i don't know i don't know what it, whatever it is you know well i immediately come to when i was probably seven years old and i was with walking home with a friend from school and uh she dropped some change and i was looking with her to help her pick it up and I helped her pick up the quarter and the nickel or whatever. And then I saw a dime and my I put my foot over it. And oh. I have felt guilty about, <laughs> about that. About that dime? About that dime uh, yeah. for 
you know, for a long, forever. <laughs> you know, but it was it, it was instru- it was instructive. Yes, whoever yeah. you were there in the Newark Public School District. <laughs> uh, but you know, I think that helped me not do it again. Absolutely, it teaches versus you lessons, right? teaching me to feel ashamed of myself for it which just makes me feel bad about myself and well, doesn't really teach back. me anything except right? I'm a bad person. So yeah. so shame doesn't get you anywhere. Guilt can propel you to... Yes, to change your behavior. Make better decisions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But too yes. often, we sit in and reside in shame mm-hmm. because we don't know or we don't mm-hmm. believe that we deserve mm-hmm. any other mm-hmm. feeling yeah. than what we're and sitting in. And that's still defying. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. It's stultifying. Like, yes. you know, yes. it, shame. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Whereas guilt, you, you can you can pivot. Mm-hmm. You can make pivot other choices. From it. You can make other choices. Yeah. It's like, oh, that didn't feel good. Mm-hmm. That's not who I want to be. Right. Okay, mm-hmm. I can be different. Mm-hmm. I cannot do that again. Right. But when you, mm-hmm. if, you have, if you feel like you have shame, you don't feel that you can be anything but exactly. what you're feeling. You mm-hmm. can, you'll only be the, right. you know, the, the heavy girl, mm-hmm. the, you know, the mm-hmm. not sexy or the, mm-hmm. you know, the, the sex object only, mm-hmm. um, you know, mm-hmm. but you can be. Yes. And I think if you find it in yourself mm-hmm. and work with a therapist, yes. too. I mean, uh-huh. I don't I'm not saying yes. you guys need to be listeners need to go uh-huh. on this this path yourself. You know, right. I mean, some people can and mm-hmm. some people need to be um, uh, better served with professionals mm-hmm. to help mm-hmm. you through this. But I do want to say uh, you remind me of a story. I had uh, a friend uh, post-college, but before graduate school in San Francisco. And she was a very large woman. And she said, Linda, uh, you can be, if you feel sexy, and that's what you project, there are men that like heavier women. Yeah. And if you're sexy, you radiate your sexuality and you bring them to you. Uh, mm-hmm. So instead of being ashamed about it, you know, as my mother-in-law said, for every pot, there's a lid. Oh, I love that. Oh, my God, that's so great. So feeling good about yourself at, you know, whatever, then you're attracting people because you're projecting confidence and Mm self-love. And when you can Mm -hmm. release yourself of the burden Mm -hmm. of that shame that you've been carrying, Mm -hmm. um, or you you might identify, Mm -hmm. oh, you're right, that really, what I'm carrying is shame there. Mm -hmm. When you can release that, Mm -hmm. you know, it's like a weight is lifted. Mm -hmm. I mean, or, you know, you're now walking with balloons Mm -hmm. under your, under your step. I just think that it's, it's important to have these conversations Mm -hmm. um, with your friends, those Mm -hmm. that you trust. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Because <laughs> not everybody can yeah. handle a conversation like Correct. it, you know? Well, the truth of it is, is, you know, in sharing your stories, one, you're not alone. Once you have lived a few years, <laughs> you surround yourselves by people you choose to sound, you surround your, your, your friends that I have now mm-hmm. are the best friends I've ever had, mm-hmm. you know? And so, you know, I can trust them with my, with my stories and, it just helps to have that somebody mm-hmm. say, wow, that was terrible, mm-hmm. right. you know, and, mm-hmm. and grieve with you mm-hmm. through that. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden it builds this rationality inside your mind. That's mm-hmm. like, oh, that was really not right. You're uh, right. Yes. Oh, okay. Uh-huh. Huh. I deserve I, to be treated better. Yeah. To have been treated better. Right. Mm-hmm. I deserve to move through this moment, yes. you exactly. know, and it's like, so, I'm not going to carry it anymore. Right. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to carry this. Find your village and find your self-love. Mm-hmm. I think that's the message. 
within yourself, uh, seeing yourself through new eyes and surrounding yourself with people who are going to reinforce and support that message. Linda, you talked about one exercise that I really thought was pretty cool. Mm -hmm. And it was the back to Stuart Smiley Uh (laughs) standing in the mirror. Yes. And you were saying it's sometimes just finding one thing. One thing about yourself. Yes. So uh, uh, Emily Nagoski, who uh, has written a great book, uh, whose title has escaped me at the moment. I think it's Come As You Are. Uh, Yes, it's Come As You Are. It's It's a great book about female sexuality, particularly women with low desire. And she did a, uh, I think it was a YouTube in which she talked about how to help yourself correct your body image. And she said, uh, go to the mirror and find one thing about yourself, even if it's an eyelash Mm -hmm. that you like. Instead of going and having that negative Mm -hmm. uh, scanning, you find one thing you like from the color of your hair Mm -hmm. to your eyelash. And each day you do that, which is regrooving your brain to recognize your beauty and your worth rather than to look in the mirror critically to find your cellulite. Are you supposed to be looking for something different every day? Yeah, could be yeah. your second eyelash. Mm-hmm. Right, right. <laughs> right. They look so good together. They make yeah. such a great pair. Exactly. <laughs> they really uh-huh. do. Yes. Uh-huh. Got the best eyelashes. <laughs> and then you also talked about naked day. That sounds good. Ah, uh, yeah. So one of the things that I recommend to people who have body image issues is to go away with their lover or significant other to a cabin in the woods if they can afford to and have the whole weekend be naked. It doesn't matter if they're preparing a meal, wear a protective apron if you're frying. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> uh, but playing cards together or playing a board game, obviously you're not going to go for a hike uh, unless you're in Maui or something uh, or have a lot of property. But the idea that uh, after a while of being naked, it becomes very natural. Mm-hmm. And, you know, all you have to do to, to see this is, you know, go to a country Uh, where there's topless bathing Mm -hmm. and you see women of every age uh, wearing, uh, you know, of every body type. And there's just a a body acceptance around being first with yourself and comfortable with yourself. And you can gain it by just doing it. Mm -hmm. So it's easier to feel differently if you do something different. Mm -hmm. And eventually you get very comfortable and it goes away. It's just an amazing process. When people come to me and they're talking about sex, they're all embarrassed, they turn red and all of that. Yeah. Before you know, they're talking about clitorises and mm-hmm. using words that they've never said before <laughs> and feeling comfortable. Mm-hmm. Well, I have to let my boys know I won't be practicing the naked day while they're still at home. I'll have to they are probably <laughs> relieved to hear that. Yeah, they're going to be like, no, that's okay, mom. We need uh-huh. you to like, get comfortable with yourself when, uh-huh. we've not, when we're not here. But uh, no, I think that those are some really great, great mm-hmm. suggestions. So we all have trauma and Mm -hmm. we all have to work it through. But the importance is taking action, whether it's doing something about it. In my case, it was leaving a toxic environment and moving somewhere else Mm -hmm. and starting over. And it's about what you say in your head and changing that message. So it's about taking action, whether it's mental or an actual physical move or a physical change. It's about doing something, not, not uh, trying not to let yourself stay in that state yeah. and always moving toward the light. 
moving toward growth. And you have permission. We are giving mm-hmm. you permission. If you need somebody else to give you permission, mm-hmm. you can just listen to our podcast and we have just given you permission yes. to let that go. Yes. You know, mm-hmm. it doesn't, it is not a permanent state. It doesn't mm-hmm. have to remain on your permanent record mm-hmm. that we all were, you know, uh, threatened with. That's going on your permanent <laughs> record, you know. It doesn't have to uh-huh. remain there. Mm-hmm. It's your life. Mm-hmm. You can choose how it's going to be. Mm-hmm. Any last words, Emily? No, I think that that's perfect. Taking action against shame. I think that's beautiful. Linda, thank you so much. You are this so welcome. And what a great wine. Thank you, yeah. ladies. Great conversation. Yeah, so great wine. Happy mm-hmm. to share it with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And thank you, listeners, for tuning in. And we will be back soon. Absolutely. Right. Take care. Bye. Bye.